Hey everybody. Today we're all cake eaters. I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hello. That's Kevin. What's up, y'all? That wasn't bad, right? That was that was good. I mean, it was it was average. Average. Yeah, it was, you were it was better than most. Yeah. You were alluding to what Not we're talking right. about. Yeah. I wasn't like I wasn't feeling too good about it. But anyway, Tommy, what's our topic today? Uh the biggest cake eater of them all, Adam Banks. That is correct. Now very kinda he like going back and thinking about it, he had a lot of a lot of development here, a lot of change in him, not just changing teams. Very interesting character arc. Yeah. So the first time we really meet him is in the first game between the Hawks and the Ducks. And he's really kind of a dick in that game. Like total douche. He looks sinister. He looks sinister. He scores and then pushes Jesse's helmet on off and goes, that's one. He cross-checks Charlie from behind. And then he comes to the Ducks. And kind of Charlie accepts him right away. Jesse doesn't really accept him until like kind of the end. But what's kind of the feeling between everyone else on the team? How do they kind of see him? When does that acceptance come? Well, I think uh, whenever Bombay tells him that we're getting a new player, Adam Banks, and Carp is like, bleh, because he says he's a good player. <laughs> and Carp he's hates losing good playing players. time. Yeah. Carp knows that like he's the star of the team, and now Banks is going to be the star. <laughs> now Carp's terrible. We all know my feelings about Carp. Carp. But I think it's very much this this kid. He's you know he's a rich kid, and you know he's different, and so they don't want him because he's different. So even though yeah he's a good player, and they know he's he's awesome, but you know he's not a duck, as Jesse says. Putting on a duck jersey doesn't make you a duck. When does that acceptance come? Does it come when he first starts scoring goals, or is it until that final Hawks game, or is it even later than that? I think after the first goal that he scores, I think deep down some of the Ducks are like, "All right, this is this is our meal ticket right here." <laughs> um, but the, you know they're reluctant to to accept him out of fear that their friends that don't accept him, you know, will resent Jesse. them. So I, th- I feel like there's this tug, you know, both ways for them to want to welcome him to the team, but they know that they feel like they'd be turning their back on the other Ducks. I think so, too, and I, I think they don't accept him until the the championship game where he gets hurt because it's kind of, you know, Jesse says, don't forget what team you play for, and I do think everyone's, like, most of the players are past that, but they do kind of have, like, a feeling as, like, is Banks going to, you know, give it his all, and is he going to, you know, play against the Hawks like he would play against us, and, you know, as he's played against everyone else. And then, of course, when he gets hurt, Jesse realizes, like, this guy, he's, you know, he's laying it all on the line for us, you know, he's one of us, he's a duck, you know, he's not a Hawk anymore. And uh, so he becomes a duck, or they, they accept him as a duck in the last game. But I think as soon as he joined the ducks, he became one, really. Okay. Kind of like, I mean, although, kind of like A-Rod and the Yankees, except he was never really accepted but until he came through in the playoffs. And then that was just for a little bit that they accepted him. It's kind of kind of similar in that way. Like, he was an outsider, you know, and nobody really trusted him or, you know, kind of similar. Everyone just knew he was a great player. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the one guy that really stuck in Banks' side was Jesse. I think that had a lot to do with that first game when he pushed his helmet off. Jesse's also a prick. Okay. I mean, that's a topic for another time. So okay. hold your thoughts on that. So do you think if uh, if Banks didn't like kick away Jesse's helmet that Jesse would have been more willing to accept him earlier? Yeah, I think Jesse remembers that. And I think just, I mean, he Banks also hit 
Charlie from behind, like away from the play. It was a very dirty hit that he was not called on. So I think the Ducks and Jesse in particular, who's kind of like a leader on that team, I guess. I don't know. He kind of speaks for the team a lot, especially when Gordon comes that first time. I think he remembers that and he's trying to stick up for his players. I also think that Jesse is probably, you could argue, is probably the best player, the best scorer on the team before Banks gets there. And so he's definitely going to be threatened that, hey, you know, he's, you know, number one center or whatever or winger. And so Banksy is going to come in and, and take his position away. I mean, if you think about it, who's the best player in the Ducks before Banks gets there? And Fulton, you know, is obviously good, but he's, you know, he's lacks a lot of stuff. And Charlie sucks at that point. I think he's between Guy and Jesse. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jesse's kind of got the flash and, you know, he's, uh, he's worried that he's not going to be in the spotlight, I think. That's a, that's a solid take. I mean, Playing time is very critical, especially for the star players. They got to have their thing. Uh, we need to move on though, and I want to move on to Phil Banks, Banks's dad. Now, obviously, very involved, definitely helicopter parent. Exactly, and then in D two, when Gordon and Banks are always, I have that heart to heart after the wrist injury. Gordon talks about his dad and how his dad. He had all this pressure, but his dad always said that he loved watching him on the ice, like in their backyard, and he feels like Banks' dad feels the same way. So there's obviously some a lot of pressure that Banks is feeling from his father, but at the same time, Banks is very motivated. So how much of Banks's kind of work ethic comes from his father putting like this pressure on him i think it's a a ton of it you know i think it's more to uh not uh, not to say prove his father wrong but i guess validate you know that he can do it on his own and he can you know he he will outdo his father's expectations i guess is is uh, at least the way i feel about it yeah i think that uh a lot of pressure is definitely put on and i'm I think that maybe his dad, Phil, doesn't even realize what kind of pressure he's putting on him. And like he recognizes how great Banks is, and so he's saying, I want the best for my son. He, I, I know he'd be the best, so I'm going to push him to be the best. And so maybe he inadvertently is you know, pushing him too hard and putting that pressure on him when really he just wants the best for him. And, you know, he kind of, he probably gives him every opportunity to succeed. You know, he's playing for the Hawks. You know, we've kind of talked about how there obviously were some back channels in getting him to the Hawks. He shouldn't have been playing for him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he makes sure that he's on the Hawks and that he's got, you know, all this kind of training equipment at home and stuff like that. And I do want to bring up that uh, Phil's dad is kind of a prick because he wears a Hawks jacket to yeah, the championship game. Dick move. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, well, let's talk about that first. So he wears a Hawks jacket and he sits... In the Hawks section, but he's cheering for, I guess he's only cheering for Banks, and then he's cheering for the Hawks. I don't know how that works. Would he be happy if the Hawks won? See, yeah, I don't know. But Banksy scored like twice. It's like if you have a fantasy team, like let's say you've got Peyton Manning, but your favorite team is the Chargers. You you want Peyton Manning to throw like four touchdowns, but you want the Chargers to win. So maybe he's got Banks on his fantasy team. Interesting. Yeah. Fantasy youth. I mean, we that's, wouldn't. That's pass, another topic for another day. <laughs> well, I mean, we wouldn't pass put it past these people. We've already established this youth league. It's very intense. Very shady. Yeah, yeah, very shady. A lot of money changing hand behind the scenes. So back to Banks and the Hawks. Now the Hawks seem to kind of turn on him right away. And it, I mean, I'm assuming Banks has played with these kids coming up through the ranks, like since. They were very yeah, little. Yeah, Phil says, you know, all his little friends are Hawks. Yeah. And so, I mean, they've probably played together since they were, you know, 
six. Yeah, and then they see each other at the North Stars game. McGill and Larson do the do the point with their finger like a gun at Banks. Very violent. Yeah, Banks tries to hide it. For a Disney movie. Yeah, yeah. so are these kids... On one hand, you have... Documentary. Pardon. <laughs> on one hand, you have Banks... You turn on, well, quote unquote, he didn't really, he, it wasn't his choice, but he's playing for the enemy now. On the other hand, he's your friend. So, so his friends are dicks. Yeah, are we okay with them turning on Banks? No, they're dicks. I think they're Mc, all dicks. McGill is a total dick. Is he the one who is like, he's the one who hurts him, yeah. right? And then Larson is just like, what are you job. doing? Yeah, like, he, Larson, went, yeah. he went to Banks. I think Larson was a true friend. He probably was very conflicted. You know, Larson might have had like a similar, you know, yeah, Adam is still my friend, but if I, if I show, you know, friendship toward him, like in school or, or even on the ice, then my teammates might turn against me. So there's probably a, a lot of, a lot of interesting things going on in the Hawks locker room. It's and that might have pack mentality too. Yeah, definitely. Once, McGill once is definitely. Once one or two people start to do it, it catches on, then mm-hmm. everybody just becomes a giant dick. Yeah. And I think McGill is definitely the ringleader in like, let's hate Banks party. And the coach obviously doesn't help it when he yeah. tells him to go take him out of the game. Do you think he Ryan... should lose his coaching license or whatever they're required to have? <laughs> yeah, he should be disbarred from coaching. Yeah. But he wins in this league. It's all about winning. That's true. So. Yeah. I mean, do you think Riley came in before that that instance? Like, as soon as Banks left, Riley was getting his players to turn on him. Yeah, he was probably he probably did a lot of like, we don't need Banks. This isn't just a team. Like a normal coach would say, hey, this isn't you know one player. You know, we're gonna be better for this. But he was probably like, oh, Banks did this and this. You know, I saw him like cheating. You know, he was like mess with all your girlfriends and. <laughs> He, like, cheated on all his tests. Some, and real, some real diabolical shit. Yeah, really. And, like, his dad is, like, a tax evader, and he's just a bad guy. Okay. Yeah, he would definitely that. do something like that. Yeah. And that's and McGill is stupid, obviously, and so he would latch on to that. But Larson is probably like, I know Adam. I know his, his parents. Like, yeah, his dad is, you know, pushes them, but they're a good family. Also, so, can just for a sec, can you imagine if it had been found out today, like, in today's world, if he had told his players to go hurt Banks, he'd probably be thrown in jail. I mean, rightfully so. He yeah, probably, probably. should be yeah. thrown in jail. But that would be a social media firestorm. He would be public enemy number one. Yeah. yeah. The Hawks franchise would just be down the toilet. Yeah. It'd just be yeah. a huge scandal. They'd probably be, like, relegated to some much lower league. I mean, even disbanded. Mm-hmm. They'd probably give him the death penalty. Yep. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's the end of the Hawks. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. D2, Banks, he doesn't really show up until that first Iceland game. And he scores a goal in that game. And it's tough to tell exactly what the deficit was. Because on the scoreboard in, like, the second period, it's, like, 6 nothing, But then they cut to another thing. And the announcer's like, after two periods, Iceland leads 4 nothing. Yeah. And then Iceland scores. So, at minimum, they're down 5 nothing when Banks scores. To make it 5-1. And then he points at the goal. Which is a very cocky move. Kind of out of line. And then he gets his injuries. So, I mean, did Banks, to some extent, kind of deserve that? Well, he does say, yeah, we got one. Because, I mean, he knows that they're getting trounced. And so, I don't know. You th- you think Banks would be kind of a... Uh, act like you've been there before in that situation? Because, I mean, if you're getting killed 5 nothing And you score one, it's like, whoop-de-doo. You know, run... You know, we're a good team. We're not going to, like, celebrate about this. But 
So Banks is it's definitely, I think it's out of character for him. I think it was a lot of pressure that was built up, you know, because he's worried about the scouts the whole time. And then he point. finally breaks through. And then he, you know, he just has this like natural impulse to just, you know, show off and make himself stand out. So, and then he pays for it. I would say deservedly so for paying for doing that. But he, so he gets injured and then the Germany game comes and I'm assuming he plays in this Germany game. There's no indication that he doesn't play. Uh, he's got a future to think about. He's obviously hurting very much that even though Gordon doesn't see it until later. Do you think he should have thought about his future or his dad should have stepped in and maybe sat him for that Germany game? Which, I mean, Germany is not that good. I think his dad would be one of those people that says, you got to play through this. I mean, you got to tough it out, kid. You know, And I don't think he would be one to sit down either. I think he would want to play through it. I think Banks would would definitely conceal the extent of the injury. And so his dad would say, hey, you know, how's your wrist? You know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about it. You know, I don't want your, your future to be... I think you're giving his dad way too much. No, no, because remember, he knows that Banks has the potential. However, Banks, instead of doing like, you're going to go see a doctor because I don't trust your trainer, which, you know, he should be doing. Mm-hmm. Instead, he just like relies on Banks' word or something. And Banks could probably say, like, yeah, Bombay said it was fine. You know, it's nothing. And like... You know, I'm fine, Dad, and, you know, he knows that he doesn't want to disappoint his dad. And his dad, obviously, is not in tune with it, so he's like, okay, well, he's fine. And, and he's probably like, good, because you need to go play out in front of those scouts. And I imagine Phil probably emphasized beforehand, I bet you, like, before the tournament started, he's like, guess what? There's going to be a lot of scouts there. Yeah. You know, you got a great opportunity here, and you're going to be playing a lot of minutes, you know, with these great players. I think you're still giving his dad way too much credit. I think it would be more like, you have to perform well. No, no, I don't there think it's... scouts in the crowd. No, I don't think it's that way at all. I think it's, he is, like, doing his best to encourage somebody who's doing it terribly. Like, he's not, like, the sleazeball parent. You know, because he, you know, obviously he's very well off. So he knows that Banks doesn't need, necessarily need hockey. But he wants him to be, you know, the best. He's not, you know, pushing him like that. Like, obviously, I think in the first movie you get it like, yeah, Phil, he's like, he's kind of warped in his, you know, uh, mindset, cheering for the Hawks and everything. But he, at the end of the day, you know, it is his son and he wants the best for him. But he doesn't realize that, you know, by kind of putting this pressure on him like that by encouraging him too much that he's, you know, making, like, putting that stress on Banks' shoulders. Like, I don't think he's like, the, you're, you're fucking playing or you're, you're, you're grounded. <laughs> I don't think it's to that extent, right. but, uh, but I, I think you're, you have a much rosier opinion of him than, than I do. Yeah, I mean, I like, thinking of Tommy's way, I don't think Banks' dad is all that bad of a guy. Like, he's, he's not the greatest. but uh, think, Yeah, that's, that's true. But I don't think he's all that bad of a guy. Um, so Banks has this miracle recovery, kind of. He just wakes it's my up. my favorite scene. I woke up and the pain was gone. <laughs> he woke up and the pain was gone. The uh, stick part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At the end of... So at the end of Gordon and Banks' heart-to-heart, Gordon says, let's go get this thing x-rayed. And I'm assuming those x-rays were negative. He didn't break anything. So he's got some sort of str- sprain or anything. So I guess it could be legitimate that like it all the soreness just went away but is there anything shady going on there behind the scenes he could have been been pumped up with painkillers or something giving him shots or something um so i woke up and the pain was gone he could have just been super high at the time you know he he always has rich deep eyes yeah he's super rich he can get the coke like deep dark purple circles at all (laughs) at all times during the movies 
or during the documentary. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So he always did kind of look like he was like he he was on something at all times. He would he could definitely do some speed and you know he he'd get access to it. Some uppers, some downers. You know, Miguel is definitely gonna be a drug dealer later on. (laughs) You know, drive around and like he might already be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hans is you know going back. Yeah, Miguel could be one of Hans' kids. (laughs) All right, so Banks makes the comeback. Plays in the final game. Now, he's the fifth shooter for the Ducks. He's after Fulton Reed. It goes Jesse, Gee, Dwayne, Fulton, Banks. Is that poor coaching? Is there something else going on there? What's the decision to put to put Banks number five? Because we, we spoke in episode two about how kind of some turmoil in Iceland may have led to Gunner being dropped all the way down to the number five spot. But what's going on with Banks? It, I think it's an odd coaching decision. I, I I think it's okay having Jesse go first because, you know, Jesse's got that psyche of me, me, me. And I think what you do, though, is like you want to have – I think you should have your best player go first. Your best player is Banks. However, you do have to keep in mind, like, if you put Banks before Jesse, Jesse might revert to his old self where he's like – Oh, I, I I should be going first. You know, I've I've proven it during this tournament. And, you know, Banks hasn't. He's been hurt. You know, he's not 100. percent And so I think you do Jesse first and Banks second. Because let's say you know Jesse, Fulton, and Gee miss. Banks doesn't even get a chance to shoot. In like the European champion, like soccer championship, Cristiano Ronaldo was slated to shoot fifth, and like his teammates missed before, so he didn't even get a chance to shoot. And so everyone was super critical of the coaching. It's like, why is he going fifth? Yeah. And, but then again, Banks maybe was like, put me fifth because I want the glory. But I don't really think that's his. Mo. Yeah, I mean, I think he'd want to shoot just for the scouts. He'd want to make sure he shot. It's true. And the injury might have played a part into it. Uh, I mean, this is something we'll probably discuss in a future episode. But I don't think Gordon's that good of a tactical coach. So he's that more of, he's more of a raw rock. Huh? Yeah, that might have been. That might have been a a uh, factor in this he's whole thing. He's kind of more like a Brady Hoke type of coach. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Doesn't wear the headset. Doesn't know what's going on on the field or on the sideline. Just kind of tries to get the troops fired up. Okay, back to Banks. That was below the belt. He'll get to watch a lot of football next year, though. Yeah. Okay. So, now Banks, the, the strategy by the Hawks and the strategy by Iceland was pretty much the same on Banks, which is to rough him up and kind of take him off his game. Now, not a bad strategy, but does this does lead to the question, is Banks soft? Well, I mean, if his pain went away that quickly and he, you know, and, and he was, I wouldn't say complaining about playing through it. I, I would say, yes, I would say he's soft. That's where that's where I was leading with that one. <laughs> I, I think he's soft. I think he's been coddled a lot um, by his coaches specifically throughout his career. He's had protection, you know. He's had the, the guys that take care of all the dirty work for him and he doesn't really know how to deal with it. Um, I think uh, he is he he could definitely get by like on his technical ability like his entire life, but then you know remember when whenever Portman is added to the roster and he's like oh he's an enforcer you're gonna need him when you play mm-hmm. Iceland, and like they had Fulton who was you know I guess kind of an enforcer but not not like in the in the first uh, in the first one, so Banks probably wasn't you know used to a super physical style of play. And, you know, playing on the international level is, was probably an eye-opener. You know, it's definitely more physical. And, you know, you, 
you're going to get great scouting from, you know, the German team and the Iceland team, and they're going to know, hey, you know, get him out of his comfort zone. And so, you know, if you want to, like, disrupt the best player, you got to, you know, pick on him the entire game, and it definitely works. So I don't necessarily think that Banks is soft. I think that he just is kind of unprepared for that kind of, you know, nature of hockey. He hasn't dealt with it before, but I think he adapts well. Especially all those Icelandic dudes are huge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a fair point. Fair point. Uh, yeah, I mean, think there are a lot of, a lot of good points there. You know, I think he does, does adapt to it well. I think that bodes well for his future. Uh, and then we move on to D3 and becomes third line center right away. Is that good for him, or should do you think he would have strived? It would have helped his development to be the top guy in JV for a year. Uh, what do we think of that early decision? I think it's better off for him to play varsity. I agree, I even mean, on a lower line, even on a third line, like a checking line. Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, he's still playing against you know the best in the state, you know, on a day to day basis, as opposed to down in JV where he'd be running circles around most of his competition, which. He's been doing for most of his life, so now you bring him up to a level where, you know, there are players that are better than him. So he he has to adapt and he has to raise his game to another level. I also think uh, simply practicing with the varsity every day is gonna just make him so much better. Because I mean, if you're practicing with uh, the Ducks, you know, on the JV, I mean, they don't okay, you're gonna face off against Averman every day. I mean, come on. They either play or they play around. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible coaching again. But. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, how much is he involved in the varsity pranks that go on, uh, especially early on when the, with the clothes in the showers and whatnot? I don't think he has much of a choice. I yeah. Mean, he has to fit in. It's, you know, it's eat or be eaten, basically. Yeah. When you're a, yeah he definitely he definitely takes part. And, you know, he's probably conflicted. You know, he might have to do a little bit of drugs while he's at Eaton Hall to, to cope. <laughs> True that. Wow. So I think the the big one was obviously the cake and making them pay for dinner. And when Riley, the captain for the varsity team, first explains it to the Ducks, the tradition, Banks stays behind and says, it's cool, guys. It's cool. And everyone's like, okay, Banks says it's cool. So we go. And then at the end, Banks goes, they didn't tell me, well, later on, not at the end, but Banks goes, they didn't tell me until it was too late. So when did Banks really know about this cake business, and was he kind of hiding it? I think at that point, Varsity was still kind of like, can we trust Banks? Like, they're, you know, taking him under his wing, but like, hey, we don't want him to, like, ruin our good fun. And so I bet you what happens is, like, he overhears it, like, in the bathroom or something, like, at the dinner. Like, he overhears, like, he goes to the bathroom and he hears, like, the Varsity guys talk. It's like, oh, this is going to be so great. We're going to get him to pay for everything. And Banks is like, oh... You know, how can I get a word to the guys? And he's probably, like, staring down Charlie, like, trying to get something. But Charlie's too involved with his Pepsi or whatever. <laughs> so, Dwayne's all messed up with his forks. Yeah, Dwayne is, Dwayne's having a, you know, stroke over the forks. And so Banks, you know, when they get up, you can see that Banks is very conflicted. Like, he's trying to, like, eyeball everyone. Like, this is, like, you guys need to get up and leave, too. This is not going to be good. And so he he definitely feels bad. And then... You know, he definitely feels like he betrayed his teammates. Another possibility. Banks was just too high to remember that they had told him that that's what they were going to do. <laughs> it always turns dark here. Uh, I mean, I don't think Banks... I personally don't think Banks knew all that much until the very... Until they basically like brought it out and made him come. Because 
he seems generally like he likes the Ducks. Like, whatever things that happened before he came to the Ducks, kind of, they got over. Because he does show up to Hans's funeral when Gordon takes Charlie to where to the Ducks where they're all playing street hockey. Banks is playing street hockey with them. And then the big one, he drops back to JV for the JV Varsity Showdown potentially jeopardizing his future there. I mean, if the if the varsity coach stays, he doesn't want a guy that's kind of betrayed him. Was that a smart move by Banks? I don't, again, I don't think he had a choice in that, right? I mean, they were just like, you're... Oh, like, well, varsity was like, like, oh, you really could have him. Banksy yeah, back. Because yeah. I think they realized that Banks was a duck and that, like... And ducks fly together. They, yeah. yeah, and varsity was also like, we, we, don't, we don't need this, you know this loser on our team like he's he's bringing us down like this we don't need this freshman on our team we can we can beat him without him we could beat them with them and we'll show them how bad they are does that hurt him in the long run though with the varsity coach and whatnot well i i think the varsity coach is gone after they win the yeah, JV varsity showdown, so now if well, if, they, if they lost yeah maybe well if the varsity coach let's say hypothetically the varsity coach sticks around after the ducks win and everything he might see it as a great team building exercise where Banks goes back to the team that, you know, he kind of grew up, goes back to the Ducks. And they, again, they can like kind of grow and rally around him. And they don't have this, like, let's say, you know, the next year, like, you know, half the team goes up from JB to varsity. And then you have guys that are left behind, like, I don't know, Averman or Goldberg that are left behind on JB for another year. I think this way you kind of move all the Ducks together. I think they realize that well, we need to keep this group together because when they're seniors, they're undefeated. And so the coach, he's obviously a good coach, so he probably recognizes that kind of team building. But then again, he might just be super pissed that his players said Banks is going back mm-hmm. to Ducks. He's like, what are you, that's our third-line center. What the hell are you doing? You know, you are not the coaches. I am. And so he's probably gone no matter what because he can't control the team. So you bring up interesting dilemma. So next year... You're assuming that at least some of the ducks are moving up. Yeah, definitely. Do, so not, but not all of them, right? Um. Well, I mean, not. There's no way every player on varsity is a senior. So exactly, you know, you're not going to kick players off. I exactly. mean, at least that I would believe you wouldn't. Yeah, but it's interesting though because the way this is set up, they have varsity and JV, but the JV is all freshmen. Because normally you have like mm-hmm. a varsity JV freshman team or something like that, or even like a sophomore team. And this is like a, a hockey powerhouse, so you'd think you'd have tons of kids coming out for hockey um so maybe it's a thing where everyone on the fret it's only the freshman and varsity team and they just call them jv and so everyone moves up to varsity and then just playing time is severely cut or you get cut from the team interesting well you'll you'll have a split locker room either way because i mean i think that could yeah, that split locker room. You need a team to come together. That could be a danger to the Eden Hall's state championship. Sounds run. like a job for Gordon Bombay to me. <laughs> sequel. <laughs> All right. I think we missed the timing on that sequel, though, because everyone's like 30 now. But <laughs> Banks. Back to Banks. Now, very focused guy. Very Wants it real bad for him. His dad also wants it real bad for Banks. Is there any chance of a burnout here where it just becomes too much for this young kid and he uh, just lets it go? I don't know because he obviously loves hockey and he loves to play. Mm-hmm. I don't – I mean, obviously it's possible, especially if 
like if he kept on being on varsity and like his friends weren't and he just realized that I really don't like this I just I, you know I want to go back to you know playing with my friends that's what I liked most about hockey he realizes that it wasn't the game it was like the people he was around so there is a potential for that but I think if that happens he kind of has a heart to heart you know with someone he probably you know calls Gordon and says you know I'm, I'm having some trouble I know you went some, through some problems when you were younger and so I think you know he stays in the right track he might have like a couple times where he feels like he's not in it but I think by the time he's a senior, he's he's all in. Plus, there's a possibility that the drugs get to him. <laughs> That's a good point. I see. I don't think I think Banks has established himself as a good character. He does some things he doesn't like. He does some things that aren't. Have you good at the at time? His eyes, but look at his eyes. Well, I'm his a eleven kid, year old eyes. <laughs> I'm a kid who has baggy eyes as well, and people have asked me if I've been on drugs before when I've just been like standing in line at like a Target. What, so, why would anybody ever <laughs> – wait, hang on, sidebar, wait. Okay, really? I'll this tell this story real quick. So senior year of high school, I was in AP Physics, and we were making – Oh, AP Physics. Yeah, we thing. were making rocket. like the, the test was over. We were making rockets, and we were going to – Jake Hall over here. We were about to – we were spray painting the rockets. So I drove to the Target, asked for some spray paint, <laughs> said, you got to be 18. So the kid at the counter is like, just get this lady to – pay for you and like behind so i ask her and she's like why so you can sniff it <laughs> and i was like that was uncalled for but and i was like okay fine like i won't do it and then she eventually paid for it and she's like i don't care what you do with it wow so, what an enabler yeah so i so i have a kind of kinship to adam banks's baggy eyes and like there have been like in college everyone thought i was high all the time and was like i don't do drugs so um yeah, I have a kinship to Banks. I don't. Really, I think he's just established. Ever all of his actions have established himself as just like a good kid who wants to play hockey. So I don't think the bank, the the drugs are there. I think he's just. A good we're kid. just throwing it out there as a possibility. I don't like it. I think that's a character assassination. So I can imagine uh, someone offering him stuff though, because him saying like, "Hey, I'm really getting bogged down," and someone's like, "You know, what you should do. You know, you should smoke this joint." It'll make you calm down. He's like how Goldberg, like telling like the cat is like you need all this energy, so he wants you to eat this pastry. And so you know he's he might be a little bit sheltered. He might be like, all right, if you think it'll help calm me down. Eh, I think Banks comes from a good family. I think he knows right from wrong. Well, I mean, yeah, everyone knows right from wrong, but I think a, a lot of good kids have probably experimented with recreational marijuana. And also, if we kind of follow that, Phil is more along the lines of what I think he is. We could have the whole Todd Marinovich factor where once he gets out from under his dad's That's a good know, point. thumb, yeah. that he just goes crazy and, you know, does every drug in sight and then just flames out within a couple of years. I, I think mean, I fact, don't think it's likely. Yeah, but. I think the fact that he's at Eden Hall with his friends, though, kind of, like, he's got a good support group. Like, so... It, I think yeah. a lot of like, but I, I'm talking about beyond. Oh, yeah, so he I'm goes about, like once he goes to college, goes to pro. Well, I think he's know. going straight pros though. He's not. Yeah, well, college, yeah, okay. So. Then once he goes, well, to he'll the pros. play in the minors. Before. I don't yeah. think he jumps straight to. The well, NHL. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean though. But but semi-pro then. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're gonna. I, that is a solid point. I don't think there's anything we can do to kind of rectify this with the information we have. So we're gonna let you think about it. And you can tell us. You can go to thequackdeck.com and contact us and tell us how you feel if you really want to, which you should want to. Or you can tell us on Twitter at quackdeckpod. You might even put it in a review on iTunes <laughs> for five stars. Anyway, we'll see it. So go do that. 
And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Quack, quack.